Welcome to episode number 18 of the Ministry Story Podcast. Today is Monday, May the 16th, 2011. I am David Tonin, your host. Today's episode is kind of a neat one because I just came back last week from the Cultivate Conference in Huntington Beach, California. On the last day of the conference, uh, there was a what is called a tweet-up. And so somebody basically goes on Twitter and fires out a message saying, anybody who wants to get together and chat or do whatever activity, meet up at such and such a location. So one of those tweet-ups happened, and it happened at a Starbucks location just a little ways from the conference center where we were holding the conference. And uh, so what I ended up doing is I ended up pulling out the microphone and uh, recording the conversation that happened as we kind of threw around topics that were floating on our mind from from some of the sessions that we'd been in. So we, if you're interested in knowing a little bit about a conversation around co- communications budgets, we talked a little bit about church signs, self-promotion, word-of-mouth marketing, ex- you know, sort of the acceptance of Christianity in various cultures, uh, both the United States, Canada, even Australia. And a little bit of uh, conversation in this also takes place about the alternatives to printed media or leveraging traditional news media and the sustainability and scalability that goes around some of those activities. I think you're going to get some really neat insights from some pretty cool guys. And so uh, we'll start off with them introducing themselves and then we'll sort of slide in. It kind of cuts right into our conversation on communications budgets. So I hope you enjoy the show and enjoy the conversation in a Starbucks with a little bit of extra noise in the background just for effect at the Tweet Up from Cultivate 2011. Welcome to the Ministry Story Podcast. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your ministry story. My name is Stephen Fogg. Uh, I'm the communications guy for a church called Crossway in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I've got three wonderful children and one beautiful wife who's very patiently looking after the kids while I'm over here in California. Uh, And I'm flying back for Mother's Day. It's a crazy four-day turnaround, but there you go. Uh, loved being here at Cultivate uh, with these guys and just hearing some great stories of what we can do as a church to communicate the greatest message that's ever been told. That should have been on a book jacket. That would be a about purpose. purpose. Uh, my book will be about, <laughs> <laughs> been about three years. Go ahead. My name's Dave England, a former church planter from uh, Sacramento, uh, relocated here to Southern California, uh, spent the first 37 years of my life as an atheist before getting involved in ministry. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You should write a book. That's right. That's, he's got a lot to say. He's I already, have, he's I already have, published out there, actually. actually. Yeah. He's already published out there. Okay. He wrote the book on social media. Social media in the church. He wrote the book on social media. I have a case study of how we use social media in our church plant up in Sacramento that's been oh, published. And, and you haven't heard about online? it because I don't self-promote. <laughs> <laughs> Is that available online? It's on Amazon.com. On Amazon? It's called wow. the, big, the Big Book of Social Media. The big Book of Social Media. Wow. So, and actually, it's a great, great book because it has dozens and dozens of case story, case studies. And so, it's a great book for anybody who's in the communications field. Excellent. What's your story? Uh, my name's Scott, and I'm Overpeck. Yes, there you go. And so, I, uh, I work with nonprofits and social enterprises, um, helping them to tell better stories and, and more effectively raise funds, market themselves. Uh, Develop, develop strategies to connect with their constituents. Um, and I uh, 
was very out of place at this whole co conference because it was meant to be a nonprofit and church conference, but it ended up being just a church conference. So I, uh, I, don't, I didn't have a lot to add to that discussion because I don't work with the church. I haven't, haven't been very, you know, connected in terms of any professional Christianity ever. So that's uh, not. I, I've never been a very good professional Christian. So. Uh, yeah. Didn't you get that memo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not a good professional Christian, so. <laughs> well, we appreciate your insights today. And my name is DJ Chuang, and I'm a strategist with web and social media and churches. So I connect with um, church leaders around the country, around uh, Asian American, multi-ethnic innovation. And I'm currently also working with Worship Leader Magazine, and uh, based here in Orange County. Uh, so in Australia... <laughs> Uh, when you said marketing budgets, we don't have a marketing budget. I'm, I'm working at just six thousand people, so wow. you think so you think marketing budget? We don't have a marketing well, budget. But you have a communications budget. We do now, but everything I'm doing is breaking new ground in terms of um, opening up the conversation to say we actually need to spend money in this area. Mm. You can't afford not to. Mm. Uh, so to to put on the table a mobile budget, which I did this year, is actually a whole new paradigm. For uh, both inside the church, and um, you know they're going, but we've already got a website. What's what's this? So there's a lot of education yeah. that goes on in terms of actually creating a budget, yeah. uh, where there's actually nothing. It's crazy. Which is you know just the reality. Like of, I think what you see is that some of the larger churches, maybe in North America, will get the idea that they need to have a communications budget. But I think it all depends on the size of the organization. Like there's a lot of churches, as they're smaller, they don't even, they would never have a line item in their budget for for communication. They, at least the ones I'm coming across. Maybe that's a Canadian thing. I don't know. But at the same point, though, there's still a lot of churches that do it traditionally how it was done 20, 30 years ago, where they come up with a marketing budget and it's basically postcards. Yeah. get sent out or they go around and they collect email addresses and they still do email. Yeah, I, see, I see a lot of traditional churches that have a church sign. Yeah. That costs a pretty penny. Yeah. That's yeah. 20 grand. Yeah. yeah. 20 grand for big signs out front of the church? Yeah. Absolutely. Really? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because wow. mystery guest number That's one a... used to be involved in outdoor signs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not I, know I, that. I used to actually, yeah, not those specific signs, I but I did used to do outdoor, outdoor media. That the was work? actually... Huh? Billboards? Yeah, something along signs. those lines. Yeah, um, bill, Billboards on highways that were focused on um, the green programs in different states. Usually adopt a highway or sponsor a highway. Oh, things fascinating. Like that. As well as I've on the some beaches. of those signs. Yeah, they're, they're fairly popular things. across the country. And a good deal of them are actually done by outside contractors who are employed by us. And so we did this. We put up the signs and sold the contract to clean the area. Hmm. In another life. And they work. Huh? They work. Yeah, we. I mean, but, if you're looking at cost per impression, they're incredible, and then they they are great in helping to craft a great an image of you know, be caring about the community, all that type of stuff. I was surprised that I was surprised more churches didn't do it because, you know, churches love to look like they care about the community but not actually, and it's a great way to do that because you get a sign that says you're keeping the area clean without ever having to lift a finger. So it's a great way to appear as though you're helping the community. And in a way, it does. It's just and not. You get enough. your church name out there. Too. Yeah, and you get your church name out there, which is isn't church really all about branding? Ooh. Awkward uh, silence uh, over uh, the uh, podcast. <laughs> we we just done some research, and ten percent of our church congregation came to our church 
because of the church, the church sign outside of our church. That's a lot of people yeah. for, for a $20,000 yeah. investment. Yeah. So it's actually, it's actually a very good investment. Yeah. We you get 100000 You guys should put that thing another 100 feet in the air. <laughs> well, as you're talking, we're creating a 10 meter by 3 meter billboard, getting that through council. But 100,000 cars every day drive past our church. Yeah. It's 100,000 impressions. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a great yeah. investment. Mm-hmm. And, so it, and it is, even in Australia, it's a more obvious, traditional way of um, communicating. Yeah. People are used to that. Yeah. Uh, and the barriers are lower to actually getting something yeah. like that up within the church. Because yeah. people are used to a church sign. Yeah. That's a yeah. whole other conversation, church signs. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not something I would have put much thought into. I just thought it was kind of you know, what you what you had out front if your church has been around for a while. Because so. at one time it was actually the one of the simplest and cheapest ways to communicate. Now it's actually quite expensive compared to, you know, for a, for a small or medium-sized church, it's probably a lot less than 20 grand to get up a website in most cases. Yeah, and I guess it still all depends, too, on what the traffic flow is that you have by the location yeah. that you're in, because yeah. if you're off on a side street, then the investment in the sign is going to have a lot less value than yeah. if you're on a main street with yeah. thousands of cars passing by, yeah. which is what your situation is. So you have lots of eye capture, whereas, for example, the church that I'm with, we're a small church, and we meet in a high school, we yeah. have no sign, yeah. which is an even big, you know, that creates a whole other dynamic. Yeah. We have no visibility yeah. at all. You have one of them little banners you put up on. Uh, we, know, we, we have a little sandwich board right? sign, a little sandwich yeah. board sign that goes up Sunday mornings, yeah. and it's amazing that that does draw people in. But it's certainly not one of our number one yeah. draws. Yeah. Of course. Um, an interesting question that we were just talking about right before everyone stepped in was just that promote self promotion. Um, you mean just before everybody handed out their business cards? <laughs> <laughs> right before, we, right before we all exchanged the business lack cards. Of my business card? <laughs> but I wanted to hear um, your thoughts on that as well. On self promotion, finding finding the balance because obviously to gain influence at a certain level, if you have good ideas and you want to get them out to the public, there's a certain amount where you have to get more well known right. to get bigger and bigger platforms or right. bigger and bigger stages to right. share those ideas with. At the same time, you can come across as the uh, self promotional uh, church podcast. Let's see, self promotional jerk. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what what would you say to that? Well, kind of is the balance, or how do you... I guess it's all with... with it all depends on the spirit with which you do it. Um, I am a shameless, a shameless self-promoter, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's all in how you do it. I think there's there's one thing to make yourself known and and to do it repeatedly and sort of completely selfishly selfishly but if you do it selflessly and and you're trying to do it so that you can use the wisdom that you have to help the person or persons you're trying to promote to if it's more about them than it is about you then yeah you are promoting yourself but you're doing it with a different agenda than you are if you're doing it just solely when it's all about me and all for my game 
What do you think of that? Yeah. So the essence, difference is the agenda, which is it's still the same agenda, though. It's still getting your word out, however you want to package it. It's got your name attached to it, yeah. and it ultimately comes back to you, and it allows you a, a larger platform to then share that with other people. Right. So in essence, I see it. The agenda is the same. It's it's still basically self promotion, even if your content is wrapped behind the premise of helping other people. So, so the context of this came from where? Like, are you saying self-promotion is bad, or are you just saying... The context just, for me was we were joking and laughing about Phil Cook because right. because his is so obvious, it's, 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 it, it's laughable. You know, he answers every question with, well, in my book I say. Like, every question you ask him, he follows up with, well, in my book I say, you know. And so it was, it's, it's, it's humorous. Right. Like, because it's, it becomes across as... Uh, I can't use the normal example with Dave present that I was going to use. So he comes across as an insurance salesman at times. It's not as me. authentic. Yeah. Um, and so in that context, I think that's why it's so funny. He comes across as an insurance salesman, not a car salesman, an insurance salesman. <laughs> I think for me, um, we don't use mailers. We don't use any, any real form of promotion. Uh, not necessarily just because it's not effective in Australia. Uh, it's partly cost, uh, but what we find is the best form of promotion is actually do, helping people, like, like literally being out there. Uh, the word of mouth that spreads from that and the reputation that spreads from that is just the best form of marketing, if you like. Um, you're not doing it with that agenda, but it opens doors into schools, into councils, because they've heard of who you are. Um, and you know, even in, even in the media uh, in Australia, churches are uh, are embraced if they're doing stuff that is good. Uh, if they're pushing a, even a, a a message about anything funky, any funky sermon series, they'll never get in the media, and and it doesn't work unless you're talking about sex, maybe. But if you're doing good stuff, then you actually you're. Um, enhancing your brand, if you like, by actually just fulfilling the Great Commission. So, uh, yeah. is there is there a difference though between shameless self promotion of an organization like a church versus shameless self promotion of an individual? I, at some level, at least there is. I mean, even in just you know how you do it. <laughs> yeah, the boundaries are different, and uh, organizations are uh, particularly churches are risk averse. So they definitely hold back a lot more than the shameless uh, personal promoters. But I'd be curious um, to kind of um, adjust the topic a little bit. Um, you're in Australia, you're in Canada, and we're here in the U.S. In the U.S., you're looking at a society that's maybe 40% church. What's it like in Canada and what's it like in Australia to be a church and to help people... Uh, engage or understand what the church and the gospel is about? So in Australia, um, on the census data, there's 25% of people call themselves Christians, um, which is surprisingly high. Uh, on the National Church Life Survey data, which is what uh, surveys churches do, 3% of people attend church. Wow. So we're significantly, if you're talking in that model, sure. if that's the same 
yeah. understanding. Uh, we have a very low okay. uh, understanding of what attending a church means. And the ballpark number in Canada? Uh, I, I would say on the census data, it's probably similar sort of numbers of yeah. people who identify themselves as Christian. Sure, sure. Uh, it's definitely below 10% of actual church attendance. Yeah. Uh, so... I would say in Canada, there's a real... We were having this conversation the other day in a session that Steve was doing, which was that in Canada, the church has a perspective, or people have a perspective of the church as being irrelevant to their to their life and their culture. And so there's... It's not that they're not spiritually sensitive or interested. They're just not interested in church or religion. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, different than some of the atmosphere here in the states. Depending on the state or the region of the country, would you agree? Yeah, in the states, it comes across, particularly in the Bible Belt. It's just yeah. part of your lifestyle. Yeah, it's your social center. Right. And so it's much more culturally acceptable, but that also lessens the uh, level of discipleship. So, I'll give you a really good example of the difference in culture. Um, I had a friend who moved over here to Irvine. Mm. and uh, she doesn't go to church, not a Christian. She called us up one day and said, Steve, what's going on? I'm surrounded by Christians. All my neighbours go to church. What's the deal with that? Which is the complete opposite in Australia where no one goes to church. It's just, you know, so she saw that complete flip in the culture. But I think there's also a difference between going to church and being a committed Christ follower. I mean... And maybe that's a little bit of the difference is you can be going to church but not necessarily embed spiritual principles and be maturing in the discipleship process as a growing believer if your church isn't, I don't know, equipping you in that respect. Because we have the same thing in Canada. There's not Most people do not go to church. And so there's, there's still Christians and there's still lots of churches, but not nearly to the proliferation that there is here in the U.S. Right. Good thoughts. Eh? It's much more getting into like pastors and stuff like that. Yeah. In terms of yeah. But I, but I think it's also central in terms of communications and understanding what the, the landscape is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you know you're in hostile territory, yeah. it alters the way you communicate. Yeah. So it alters the way you what your entry points are into yeah. that environment. Yeah. If you know that you've got a pretty friendly environment that you can walk into yeah. or communicate into. Send out postcards, send out mm-hmm. traditional communications mm-hmm. channels. Mm-hmm. If you know you've got a hostile environment, you've got to be um, more um, savvy in terms of where, how you choose to enter into that space. And uh, and that's not putting down the you know regions like this. It's just the reality that we live in. And um, so it's it's just a different approach for a different place. I don't work with yeah. churches at all, so yeah. I have no idea yeah. that's on that end. But it's but the same. You, it's you're the one same of those church attenders, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I obviously I I want to be communicated to through easy to use tools, so yeah. I'd, I'd much rather get everything digitally because that's where I spend most of my time. So, yeah. but uh, that's cool. yeah, that's an interesting. I'm gonna wrap up my recording. I don't know if you want to continue yours. I may go for another minute or two okay. if you guys are up for it. Sure. Go ahead. Throw a question on the table. Uh, okay, here's here's a question because we were just talking about postcards. I had lunch with Brandon Cox, who is one of the pastors at Saddleback. Okay. And I said to him that in Canada, when we launched the church that I attended, so the six-year-old church plant now, we sent out 22,000 postcards 
and had eight people show up. And wow. I said, that's a lot different than what Saddleback's experience is. And he said to me, well, Rick Warren would now say that if he was launching Saddleback from scratch today, he would not use postcards as a means to attract people to his church. What is your perspective of that? And if if you wouldn't use postcards, what would you use? Hmm. Well, I am a nonprofit guy. That's my background. It's not church. Uh, so if I was to do it, um, because where my passion lies, I would actually use, and I actually know of one church that has done this, use giant service gimmicks, essentially. Although I wouldn't call it that, of course. <laughs> but but that, that's what they did, was they did a very public kind of service-oriented project and, and used that to parlay into their upcoming Easter service as their launch or whatever. And so it was actually a very effective way. That, and, they, and they did a great community service. They basically they did... Um, like a hunger strike out front of a Staples during back to school season, I think it was. And so it was actually a fall launch right after, you know, kids got back to school because they're in a college town or something. But anyway, so they did like a hunger strike outside of Staples or whatever during back to school season and they, they got like 20,000 backpacks donated for the local, for the kids in the local schools and stuff. So it was a great opportunity to really get a lot of attention. Of course, the media was down there because they were, they mm. put themselves at the top of the, the, ex, the new executive team, put themselves at the top of a cherry picker in the parking lot so it's super obvious and you know the media came out and so they got so much exposure and they said we're doing this because we want people to know that you know we're trying to do something different and then they got to talk about the church on you know news media now granted it was the south but you know so you get a lot more opportunities to do that there but you know at the same time it was it was a pretty effective strategy I mean it got my attention and I'm 2,000 miles away from where they were I think for me the critical issue in something like that so traditionally in a, in a comms outside of the church, that's a media opportunity. Yeah. So you're just looking for the media spot. Yeah. It's it, it has to flow out of why you're doing it. Yeah. So if you're genuinely doing it for the um, just because you want to do it and you can bring media in, I think that's a really good yeah. thing. Uh, but if you're doing it to get the media spot, there's something not quite right with the culture. Um, we, we've got churches in Australia that they'll go over, they'll make over a hospital. Yeah. Like that, the mission in a day would be just yeah. to absolutely transform a mm-hmm. hospital. Like it's just massive, yeah. um, and they get uh, regional TV, yeah. radio, newsprint. Yeah. But they're doing it because they want to do it, and it's kind of a, it's just an outflow of that. They're smart, and yeah. they'll they'll leverage that. Well, and that's exactly what I what I'm saying. I mean, because I, because I do work with nonprofits, I know yeah. the damage that churches often do yeah. in that sector. So, because I, I see it all the time, they, they, they you know, make them, them become resource, you know, resource uh, crazed uh, because they, they give them unlimited resources for three months and then they lose that interest and move on and that destroys. But, you know, this was a one-time campaign focused around getting backpacks to kids in need. So, so yeah, and they did it for the reason was, you know, we want to prove that we're trying to launch something different. There's not, there's not somebody really shows that they care about the community here so we want to we want to we want to meet that need kind of a thing so i think they did it for the right reason but yeah you obviously you can see that hurt but again even something like even if even if somebody did it for the wrong reason with like the hospital makeover situation at that point who cares because you're not doing any harm 
in, in my mind. But that's that's a different perspective because I'm not thinking about you know how to how they could be the best church they could be because at some point if that's if they're doing it for the wrong motives then they're no, they were doing it for the wrong motives. Yeah, these yeah. guys were. But if somebody, no, that, oh yeah, no, I'm just saying yeah. as an example, if, yeah. if somebody went into that same situation with the wrong motives because of the nature of what they're doing, it's a one-time event. Yeah, it's it's one thing if you're creating a program for the wrong reasons, but if you're doing a one-time event for the wrong reasons, but it's a good thing that you're doing, yeah. I don't see how that causes any damage at any level really. I think it all boils down though to reputation management. Yeah. Whether you're whatever, whether you're not for profit, yeah. corporate, or in church, yeah. you're managing your reputation, and you're doing that through either service yeah. or through traditional media. Um, and yeah, for, for our culture, it just traditional media is just uh, yeah. doesn't work anymore. Yeah. You just noise. In fact, you're probably not just noise. You're actually you'll you'll get uh, set upon yeah. by most people. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Being awful quiet. Uh, my perspective on this is really a lot different than most people. Uh, I I take a look at being involved in media and doing those things and relate them to the attractional model of church, which if you're set on trying to do something and you believe in what you're doing, but at the same time you're driven by growth in order to sustain, to sustain that, um, I think that's what you get. So if you're pushing yourself in the media, whether it's directly or indirectly, then it's going to lead you in that direction. But like what you were talking about um, that I really respect is that if you're able to mobilize people and do good, regardless of whether you get media coverage for it or not, and you're not out uh, advertising and distributing propaganda, that there are people that are disconnected from the church or outside of the church that will see that and respect you for what you're doing rather than like what you were talking about where you have this media event, even though it's a one-time thing. Yeah. I could see myself at a previous point in my life where I would watch the news and say, look at what they did to get coverage for the news. You know, they're doing it to get exposure. And it takes away from what they're trying to do and it's a small segment of the population that would probably look at it that way, but that's kind of the segment of the population I really relate to and connect with because I understand their perspective, and I think that it does happen. It's intentional, and we're branding, and we're um, driving content in this manner that makes it um, consumeristic, and I think that we're we're at fault for doing that we're in leadership in the church we try to say the people that are out there are too consumeristic but I think in the church the leadership has that consumeristic mentality as well and they're trying to be an outlet for that that will draw people in um, I'd rather see a lot of small communities develop that go out and do things anonymously for the sake of expressing their faith and encouraging each other than having one big, large mega center with a big sign and having the reputation of you can take your neighbor there and they have a great show, you know, the music's great and they'll be connected and they'll be engaged. It's a different kind of perspective. Is it wrong to take a series of smaller events, though, and let the media know that you're doing this not as one big blowout event, but as a series of ongoing part of your culture type service to the community? See, for, for me, I don't think it's wrong to do any of that. It just leads down specific paths that you really can't change. And once you get this 
exposure and people conditioned to it, then at some point I think it becomes what can we do to continue getting this because it's a workforce we need to keep growing rather than let's just do this and if something happens, it happens. Um, yeah, I think that it, makes sense. I, yeah, it does. I think really from the spiritual perspective as a church leader, I think you don't go into creating an event for the sake of the media coverage. You do it for the sake of the genuine heartbeat to serve your community. But there is that conflict oh, because is... you want to stage it in a way that you might get the coverage because it's going to help. And I just don't if, think you can get away from it. If I can interject in the specific example that I shared that yeah. brought this up, the, they, they didn't have an existing church because they were getting ready to plan. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that they needed the media there is because... It, without the media, they weren't going to get 20,000 backpacks. Like, at, at the core, it was an event to raise 20,000 backpacks. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with doing it, but once you do an event and you raise twenty and you get 20,000 backpacks, as a church, will you be happy going out and getting five baskets for food to give to people on Thanksgiving? It's like you set the stage to do things on such a level it worked, you're going to continue to do the same kind of thing and probably try to outdo yourself from what you did the last time. And it's just a cycle. That, that's kind of what I see. And again, it's not bad because if you're going to be really committing to help your community and you show up on a Sunday and you talk about what you can do to help somebody in the city that isn't going to be able to give back to your church or become an attender of your church or whatever, that might not draw your neighbor. You bring your neighbor in and you're like, hey, what do you think? And they're like, oh, they just want my time. And next they're going to ask me for my money. And But this other place I come in and everybody left me alone yeah. and the songs are really great. And I mean, there's a place for all of that. It's just my perspective looks at it a little bit differently. But I think there are some people that will be suspicious of events that happen like that. And the expectation sets you up that you need to continue doing things like that. If you were successful once, you'll be successful again, and it's always going to be on that scale. Yeah. And I don't know. Did they continue doing things like that, or uh, was it a one time and they were just done? I mean, they still they still help their community. So if that's if on that's, what scale? I I mean, at, at, on the scale that they're new is equal to that one not, event. No, not to that because they don't have twenty thousand people. Okay. I mean, that's their. That would make them one of the top. You know, so they they got a backpack from twenty. One backpack from about twenty thousand people, like who showed up because of media. So that's not on that scale. Because yeah, yeah see, just, I, I don't have a problem um, going big and then going small. I think it's where the heart. If it comes out of the heart, that's really the main thing. Um, it's at, at the bottom line. It's where it comes from and why. But see, if you're authentic like that and you, and you don't structure things in a way that you have to get this type of response all the time, then I think people over time will see that that's genuine. And whether it's big or whether it's small, they know it's from your heart and you're committed to do that. That will reveal itself. If it's always this big promotional thing every time and people just get overworked and they're utilized to the point where they're just burned out, which I've seen in a lot of places, at some point they're going to disconnect from that. And I think people see that. Yeah. So there's there's a difference. Yeah. And, and either I, I, way, I don't think any of it's wrong because it's still making an impact on some level. I think I'm coming from the point of view that if I'm uh, the, the media person for my church, I don't have a problem um, if it's a big event or small event, um, getting out there and, and pushing our story out there uh, because, I, one, I see it, see that where the heart comes from, 
And honestly, I've seen the big events and the small events, and sometimes the small events actually get more media than the big events um, for all sorts of different reasons. So we've raised a quarter of a million dollars for a really good cause, and we've got you know a quarter of the page, and then we've one of our Chinese churches uh, raised seven thousand dollars, and they got the same amount of space. And I'm going, that's great. That's it. Doesn't you know? doesn't really matter the, the fact is that they're actually we're getting out there we're share, sharing that good news out there that we actually we want to make an impact in our community for all the right reasons and I think that's really what it comes down to uh, the communications has got to support the mission uh, not the other way around I mean at the end of the day my role with organizations is to help them tell their story in effective ways. Right. Yeah. If they don't have a good story, and that sounds like what you're talking yeah. about, Dave, is they just have a crappy story. Like, because if, if everybody's burnt out and they hate it and it's nothing but a big show, like, that's just not a good story. There's, there's no amount of long-term way to tell that story in a great way. Because long-term, that's just not... It's not a sustainable way to run any organization. If yeah, but ultimately, it reveals what it was that drove them to continue to do this. And it obviously isn't a heart for the community or but reaching it, others. Yeah, true, to, a, to at a certain level. But, but that's not to say that, that the person who's looking at doing the same task heart isn't in the right place. You can't just look at, okay, they did a big event for the community and the media showed up because somebody tipped them off. Maybe it was the maybe it was the communications director of the church, maybe it wasn't, but the point is, like that that in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean that their their heart's in the wrong spot because in my mind. I would say, and, and I think what, what matters is whether you are able to, to create sustainability, and sustainability comes through, you know, a lot of things, but part of it is right motives and right passion That's and the right what I'm talking paradigm. about when you're, like, down the road and people yeah. get burned out because they're just being used to yeah. perpetuate this, yeah. not just a one-time event. That's yeah. completely different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, you know I, I lead several small nonprofit initiatives, and, and sustainability is something that we're very focused on. Yeah. And so it, you continually have to create structures so that you don't have burnout people and you don't have those types of things. And if you create those things, then scalability is possible. And you can do large events on a regular basis. But if you try to do large events on a regular basis without those other things, then, yeah, you're absolutely right. You will end up in, in that type of a situation. So I, I, I guess I, I agree with you very cautiously. <laughs> Like I said, my perspective is yeah. going to be from a very small yeah. scale. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think the thing the thing that I that I always catch is it it sounds like you you have kind of a, a, a predisposition towards assuming though that that everything that's scaled or large or anything might has suspect motives. And but everybody does have their own assumption and perception in society. Yeah. So. True. Yeah. You're not going to get, as much as you craft your marketing message or yeah. uh, nuance it or whatever, yeah. pe people are going to misinterpret. Yeah. That's just part of the mix. Yeah. And when it comes to attitude and motives, yeah. I mean, I don't really <laughs> Mine's to sell my future book that I have. You can pre order right now. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, go to my website. It might be two years before it comes out. Yeah. You can pre order yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me you're close.